Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Um, we have a, a really exciting show today. We're going to focus on um, creative people and uh, how the challenges and the, um, the journey of people in recovery who are creative. Over the last few months, it seems like we've just been bombarded with um, magazine covers and uh, television series on um, different celebrities who are in the throes of their of their addiction, and unfortunately, addiction does turn to, out to be a very public disease. Once um, someone's in the throes of it, it's very hard to hide it um, to the people around them, um, and basically to the world in general. So, oftentimes, what we see are headlines about the Lindsay Lohan's and Britney Spears of the world, and Instead of having compassion for them and being able to look at them in terms of a disease process, it becomes sensationalized and um, the object of gossip and speculation, and um, which doesn't really seem to help them or anyone else for that matter. And the reason that we wanted to do this show today was to really put um, a spotlight on the fact that um, many creative people Many creative people are in recovery and do recover, and um, and that we wanted to talk about that today. And we wanted to be able to talk about the fact that um, you know, sex and drugs and rock and roll isn't how most people end up who are musicians. While some of them do, um, the vast majority um, go on to lead very productive and, and healthy lives. Most recently, Nick, Nikki Six from um, Motley Crue has written a book about his uh, substance use disorders and his recovery. Um, certainly, there are other musicians, such as Eric Clapton, has been very public about both his addiction and his recovery. And um, unfortunately, what most of us think about are the Jimi Hendrixes and the Janis Joplins and the Kurt Cobains of the world who um, just get... Um, taken over by their addiction and never get an opportunity to recover. So I would like to begin by introducing um, our three guests and to I will begin with John McAndrew whose music is featured on our show and who is a vocalist and pianist and songwriter and general all around wonderful person who lives in Nashville. We also have Shauna who is a vocalist and pianist and um, has many other talents as well, and she lives in Boston. And we have John C., who is a producer and author and uh, also works as a drama coach. And John also uh, is drama. Go ahead, John. Uh, I'm a drummer. A drummer. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. John C. is a drummer um, who also resides in Boston, which is now the home of the World Series champions. Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe we could begin by talking a little bit about 
um, just the whole notion of um, addiction and creativity. Um, who'd like to start? Well, I will. This is John McAndrew. And um, in Mary, in your introduction, it's interesting because um, the phenomenon of addiction is very alluring and gets an awful lot of press, um, you know, and famous people, and it's great to put their pictures on magazines and people buy that. Recovery is not so glamorous. And um, many of the people that are in recovery, um, me being one and millions of others, um, you know, addiction knocks us down pretty hard. And so we're kind of uh, put in a position to uh, to not brag about it, you know, especially publicly and everything. And so the the stories of recovery are kind of hard to get at. And, you know, mine is not so much different than other people. Um, I think a big piece of creativity, just to start off with, is a lot of us that do this for a living, I think would admit we're probably the shyest people in the room. And so drugs and alcohol, I know when I took my first drink, man, I became funny. <laughs> and I was a drama coach, John, you know, <laughs> instantly. And I, I I could be all these things that I wanted to be, but I was afraid to. And um, with creativity, taking it to the public, um, you know, and performing, um, was a great challenge for me, and I, I just remembered I had to make it fun, and I had to be surrounded by, you know, like people, and I had to do a lot of work on that, you know, and uh, my creativity has slowed, I think, mostly because I'm not so afraid anymore. I'm still afraid, uh, but I deal with it a lot differently. So, that's my bit. I think, I, this is John C., I think my experience with that question is, is you know, I, I know that for years and years, and I can only say this being on the other side in, in recovery, is that for years and years my creativity was dampened down like most of my other emotions and, and good traits, bad traits, whatever, um, by the drugs. I think, you know, and and but my view of it when I was using was that. You know, it's there. The drugs are there, are, are representing freedom to me, and you know, enhancing the creativity. Yeah. Um, but when I have, you know, had a little time clean and was able to kind of see the difference, uh, there's no end to the boundaries of of musical creativity for me. If I don't pick up a drug, you know, once I do, it, it, the the race is on, and that's that goes to the end of the line as far as as far as any kind of spiritual creativity or anything like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and this is Shauna. Um, and what I'd like to add to that is that one of the challenges for me um, was taking that out to the public and um, exposing my myself emotionally mm. because... Um, that's what I do when I perform. I'm really very much in touch with my feelings, and um, it's a very delicate place. Um, so there used to be a time when I couldn't even go on stage without having, you know, a few stiff drinks, yeah. and then, you know, to kind of ease that terror. Um, oh, boy, I remember that. 
and I'm glad to say I don't really have I I still have fear but I don't have that kind of terror and and it's such an amazing thing to actually be on stage and feel everything that I need to feel and express and uh the impact is is quite something the impact on the audience yeah uh, I I spent a good part of my late teenager years and um, early 20s just loving music and going to as many concerts as I possibly could and I do not have a creative bone in my body but I certainly have spent a lot of time on the other side of the stage from where you you three are privileged to be and um, during that time there was so much just in the audience there was so much pressure um, the first Aerosmith concert I went to the guy next to me was snorting cocaine off a switchblade um, pot was just nice. really, yeah, 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 um, and pot was just freely being passed from one person to the other, and there was like just peer pressure within the audience to get high, to drink, um, to to be part of that whole collective experience. And, yeah. and is is it the same? Is it the same for you all when you were on the stage? Was there the same type of peer pressure that we were experiencing in the audience? Well, this is John McAndrew, and um, that image is a pretty powerful one. And You know, for me, um, in the beginning, and it doesn't matter if it's creativity uh, as a musician or with a person that builds houses, you know, I think initially, to be honest with you, the drugs and alcohol um, was pretty fun, and it did kind of let... It, it gave me a freedom, you know, emotionally and physically, and it does that for most people. It's just with people like us, after a while, you know, it turns on us, and, and, and you get into the cycle where you go up and then you start to come down. There's no going back. And like John said, you hit the point where you're no longer creative and you're falling down and you're making a fool out of yourself. That's the point where the photographers love to see people like us. <laughs> you know, but in real life, Mary, everybody's if you're a carpenter or a mother or a father, you know, and just being creative in life, if you're addicted, you know, and if you're an alcoholic or a drug addict, it just hits a point where it, it, it becomes... Uh, a death-defying act, you know. And I remember having a lot of fun, I guess that's what I'm telling you, and the peer pressure. And then I also remember near the end not being able to do anything when I got out on stage and mm. trying to being backstage with a shot of whiskey. And when you're a real good chronic alcoholic, you learn how to drink, and that means putting your mouth right to the drink yeah. instead of trying to shake it up to your face. <laughs> People see you spill it all over yourself. You know, Shauna, you were talking about that, and I bet you've had those experiences. Mm. Yes. You know, that I'm no longer even a human being at that point. I'm just trapped trying to stay alive. That's right. That's a good so step. creativity and eating, <laughs> paying your bills, all those things become <laughs> really a struggle. So. That's, and for me, I think, like, you know, like John was mentioning, the peer pressure, uh, it you know, I I think the pressure I put was on myself. I, I grew up as a music fan like you, Mary, and, and um, you know, all my heroes were big drug addicts and alcoholics. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I wanted to be Keith Moon and John Bonham and Keith Richards. Um, 
you know, so I did, and, or listening to Charlie Parker or, you know, whoever. And I think a lot of us get those messages early on that there's some kind of tie-in with that and, you know, like some talent tied in, you know, automatic talent by taking the, the substances. For me, by the time I was, you know, full-blown, like John describes, it, there was no pressure on me. There was, you know, my pressure of everybody knew that, you know, I'd be drinking and I got free drinks wherever I went, and uh, a lot of times free drugs, and that just fueled it. And I would manipulate my way into those situations in the music business just like I did uh, in every other part of my life. Um, so, the, you know, drugs, I just recently worked on a recording session where one of the musicians had um, was using heroin during the session, and I, I don't know any other workplace where you have to come across somebody's rig, you know, somebody's needle and uh, cooker, and where that's okay, you know. And in yeah. the music business, it's some, it's much less than it used to be accepted, but in still some areas, it's accepted. And uh, so there's, like John said too, it's like you know, there's addiction is in every strata of life, and, and there's plumbers, there's chairmen of the board, there's housewives. There's athletes, you know, it, it doesn't really matter, but I think in the music business there's certain, like, minefields that are associated with the actual business itself that make it a little more acceptable to, to cross those lines that other parts of society might not be able to cross so easily. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. If you're looking for a better way to clean the air in your home or office, you need the all-new ozone light. It's as simple as changing your light bulbs. The ozone light looks like a normal spiral type of light bulb. It screws in most standard light sockets, but it's not a normal light bulb. It's coated with titanium dioxide. It's completely safe, but this unique coating kills most airborne bacteria, mold spores, and neutralizes odors. Just one light cleans the air in an entire room and lasts eight times longer than the normal light bulb. If you have smokers, if you have allergies, if you have pet odors, mold, or mildew, you need the ozone light. It will wipe them out, and you have our word. If you're not satisfied with the way the ozone light cleans the air in your home, simply return it for a full refund. Here's the number to call to order. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. Save up to $100 now. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Um, we're discussing recovery in the music business. Um, the music you're listening to is belongs to one of our guests, John McAndrew, um, who will talk to us a little bit later about his new CD that he recently released that has a lot of good songs on it. Um, we were talking a little bit about the peer pressure that, that people experience um, in the music business, and I was just um, would like to kind of move ahead a little bit and talk about the fact that music is such a universal communicator and um, so many people relate to music it's a way to sometimes cut through especially in treatment and dealing with people with their feelings it helps them emote sometimes and um, when when we think about um, recovery and we think about music um, oftentimes the music that we hear is geared toward the addiction you know, um, the, the songs focus on, um, on the, the using part of, of the addiction. And I'm just wondering if, um, if one of you would like to address re- recovery music and, and how that might, why, why we don't hear more of that on, on the radio. Hmm. Well, this is John McAndrew again. I am... Um, I made a conscious decision when um, when I quit using um, that the music I was writing and performing was going to fit the audiences that that I was performing for, and I, I you know, just without, I frankly, just kind of quit playing for drunk people, and um, as a result, I've been playing for more and more people that are in recovery, so songs about forgiveness and not being perfect. And, things like that, at the same time pursuing, um, you know, with management and a major label stuff and all those things. And and I've been told the music's always either too preachy or for those kind of people. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, things are changing. And um, I know that I'm not going to, and uh, I've, I've found a vast audience of people that are either in recovery or, you know, love somebody that is, where the music is an important thing or a useful tool. And if you've been doing it as long as us three have, you know, you learn how to write and play and perform and sing um, at a pretty good level. So I I think it's changing very much. And I just wanted to kind of tie that into what John was saying. I, I, too, am a great jazz fan and and my father played with Stan Kenton, and I, I heard a lot of great music. And you know, the history of jazz is there's a period of it where um, you know the greatest musicians were all being destroyed by drugs. It also destroyed that medium as far as people coming to see them. That's right. Because uh, people, I remember experiencing that in my age group, going to see Jerry Jeff Walker, and he he didn't come out for half an hour. Then he walked on stage and fell down. Now, now I'm drunk myself, but I want my money's worth. Um, I think that things are changing, you know, and there's more of us 
um, and I think more of that type of music will will follow to be sold, you know, to to the public. But um, that's been some of my experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, you know, one of my idols in jazz was Bill Evans, and there's a story about how uh, the making of Kind of Blue. Bill was the only one that wasn't using heroin, and in order to fit in, he started using. You know, and he's he's he didn't survive. What a what a tragic thing. Yeah, absolutely. But I. I agree. It is changing, and I think it's a grassroots effort. And I think with um, you know more places that are that are out there to help musicians in recovery, it's going to be uh, a pretty powerful thing down the road. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned that, Shauna, because. You and I are in, involved in a place called Right Turn, which is you know treatment for creative people. It supports recovery for people in the arts. And there's a thing called the Listening Room every Friday night there in uh, Arlington, Massachusetts, where we have music shows and comedy shows and uh, different performances by people in recovery. And it's been my experience um, that you know people are looking for a, a venue like that where there's not the you know the uh, listen I don't care if people drink that's their business I can't do it and I like going to places where I, I you know I, I don't have to necessarily deal with that atmosphere and still enjoy some entertainment and I, I like Shauna said I think more places like that are showing up um, and I know you know I know Shauna's performed in a place like that before and I have too and it's wonderful, you know, because people are awake and there's an energy and there's a, you know, the creativity in there with the audience and the artist. And Shauna was talking about that. It's just, you know, it's kind of like playing in church if people have done that because people have to really listen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and it's and a very... A common, we're, we're all on the boat together and it becomes, mm-hmm. it's just the most, uh, it's the best thing to perform. Whatever kind of performance, you know, and uh, yeah, I think it's growing in leaps and bounds, and you know, and maybe it doesn't have to. Maybe it's not supposed to get real popular, you know. <laughs> and maybe that's not bad. <laughs> you know, it's been my experience with the disease of addiction that, and um, I I was sent to uh, California for for rehab and detox and, and I met a lot of fellow musicians out there that are in recovery and, and you might not know who they are um, because they keep a low profile with that but it's my experience that if they've been if people have been around for a while as professional musicians or in the business either they never had a problem or if they've been around for a while and did have a problem they got into recovery because the other ones just you can't last in any business for a real long time with the progressive nature of this disease. Oh, absolutely. And so it's 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 kind of like a, you know, invisible republic out there, but some of my biggest heroes, you know, are are, are in recovery. I found that too, John, and it's so it's exhilarating, really. It's it's a good feeling. Absolutely. Um I just I'm also a diabetic, and you know, among other things, and I remember when I found out Mary Tyler Moore had diabetes. I just thought, "Oh, 
you can actually live with this, <laughs> and you can do stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, that's why, uh, you know, the, the message needs to be carried. I guess that's what, what we're doing today um, to other musicians and artists, and that it's a really good thing, you know. It's a really good thing. One thing that I find exciting about Right Turn is because um, I did a lot of um, my recovery in playing in Ithaca, New York, and unfortunately there were so many people who weren't in recovery, and um, Right Turn is such a special place, and I think that, you know, it's, it's a model that, more and more cities and places are going to be um, using. Mm-hmm. How do I find out about Right Turn, Shauna? I'm in Nashville. We have not heard of that. Well, um, you can go to info at Right Turn, I believe. Is that true, John? It's. I have some the website mm-hmm. information right here. It's www.right-turn.org. Oh, okay. And if you go there, um, you can get information all about the the different meetings and programs and services offered there. And also, all the entertainment. This Friday night, there's a great show at the... um, You guys like how how I'm working this in? At the Arlington Arlington Regent Theater, which is at regenttheater.com, celebrating John Belushi. And it's uh, Right Turn sponsoring. It's an evening of comedy and music with some great musicians. Judy Belushi, John's widow, is going to be showing a very rare film short that John made, um, that he made when he was alive. And some of the musicians are Kate Taylor, uh, who's, you know, the great performer, singer, and, and sister of James Taylor, Simon Kirk from Bad Company, Michelle Wilson, the great blues singer, James Montgomery, great blues performer and the Boston Brotherhood of Blues Band is performing as well and it's a it's a fundraiser at the Regent Theater in Arlington Mass this Friday night so anybody wants to have a good time like the kind of thing we're talking about you know of having a great night out and being recovery based and to benefit somebody you know a comp- uh, organization that helps creative people in recovery that's a good way to spend the night Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna snoop into that, John. Thanks. Find out some more about. I'd like to come out there. If, I don't mean to like act like we're just talking to each other, but we'd love to well, have you. I'd love to come out there and perform. It'd be great. Oh, I can. We can help you out with that. John. All right, good. Yeah, you'd love it, John. <laughs> um, to kind of get back on track a little bit, um, <laughs> could 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 you speak to when? When you realize that you need to go for treatment, are there any special challenges that musicians have um, when they're in treatment? I know nurses have special challenges when they go to treatment, doctors, lawyers. Is there anything um, special in terms of treatment or recovery that you all found? I was, this is John C., I was lucky enough to be taken in through the uh, Musician's Assistance Program, MAP, and they um, actually, it was to my benefit that I was a musician, and uh, they, the Grammy organization, paid for um, all my, you know, my rehab, and, and after that, um, through the Grammys, there's a fundraiser. So I was actually very, you know, it benefited me, and I, I 
was only helped. I ended up in a rehab that was eight other musicians, and that was helpful um, for me. But I don't think it's necessary, you know, to to be in a in a place that's all musicians. I don't think there was any special um, special stumbling block for, by me being a musician trying to get clean. I I know for me, just at the point where I was. Uh rattling around the bottom and then took some action and uh yeah i i was in a community of other people that of course this is not like any unlike any other profession but they kind of back then expected us to be drunk and fools you know and um i didn't get a, get a whole lot of support from other musicians as far as you know them saying yeah you've really got a problem you know because <laughs> a lot of them did too but all of us find ourselves with the same kind of people near the end. Um, and and I chose to just kind of enter as a just a guy that had a problem, you know, and nobody really knew what I did, and I liked it that way. And, uh, um, you know, that was, a, I guess, a blessing for me. And that was my experience. Yeah, I, I think that it was a good thing for me to... N- to just get recovery with everyone else and realize that, you know, we're, we're all in the same boat. Um, I, I feel fortunate now that I know other musicians who have gone through that same sort of experience. So in terms of actually going to treatment, um, it's really about being ready to go to treatment as yeah. opposed to uh, whether you go with other musicians or you go with the rest of the world yeah. and the quality of the treatment that you're getting. I think the, the disease just takes us all to the bottom, like John said, and, and it's kind of a great equalizer. It sure is. I know for myself, when I was, it wasn't until I was completely ready that, that I did get help um, but uh, at the time, I did. I reached out to a fellow musician that I knew in recovery, and he was able to get me help. Um, we will be leaving for a short break, and when we return, we will continue our discussion on uh, musicians in recovery. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celeste Ranese's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. 
Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show For women, men, children, and families Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent To bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern To The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Um, we're going to continue our discussion on musicians in recovery. One of the things we always tell people when um, they leave treatment is it's really important to stay away from the people, places, and things uh, that they were doing when they were active in their substance abuse or addiction. And um, we always tell bartenders, you can't go back there. You need to find another line of work. And when you're a musician and you're you go back to work. Work is where most people go to drink and, and do all those other nefarious things. So what is that like to have to go back into this environment where everyone else in recovery is being told, this is the last place you need to be? It's a challenge. Uh, (laughs) it's a challenge um, because the other piece of that is you probably I mean in my experience I've also had to play with other musicians who are using Mm. Um, so that's when I have to really stick close to the program and and what I've learned and um, always have phone numbers of people in recovery that I can call if I need to you know, if I get triggered. And um, always order a soft drink or something, you know, some sort of non-alcoholic drink in my hand at the break so that no one can say, oh, can I get you a drink? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. This is John, uh, the other piano player. Uh, I was really fortunate. I, I was... Uh, work in full-time music when I uh, got up after I fell off the deep end. And uh, when I went to my first uh, gig at a place where I I had already prejudged people, I, I saw people there that I knew must have been taking tons of hallucinogenics and everything, you know. And it's funny when you sober up. <laughs> And I found out that there were several people in there that were also in recovery. And they surrounded me like angels. They really did. And and they gave me all the things I needed to know on how to live a sober life. And there's a lot of tricks that that we're taught. And uh, if you use them, and um, it, it got me through those first few years when I was still working in a couple of those places like that. And then I made a conscious decision to get to change what I did in my career and uh, at that point you know these days I the guys that are in my band 
Um, it's about 95% sober, so when we need to do things on the road that we need to do to take care of ourselves, that's the priority, and if the other one guy wants to have a beer, that's fine. Uh, but you really have to do things and, and be very diligent because the disease just waits right behind you the whole time. That's right. And... Uh, mm -hmm. So um, those are some, I was really blessed, though, the way it happened for me. And then all these people, the bouncer and the bartenders and people that danced in these places that I played, and all of a sudden they were just surround. I was surrounded when I, I said, where have you guys been, you know? And they said, we're just waiting for you because <laughs> <laughs> they had watched me destroy myself. You know? I was really blessed, really lucky. I think another good thing to do that worked for me, I, I didn't do it in early recovery because I just didn't feel safe. Um, and, and But when I do gigs now in a club, I, I'll invite a lot of people who are in recovery. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just, it's not that I don't trust myself. Uh, alcohol wasn't my drug of choice at the end, but it, it doesn't really matter because you know to, to like like both Sean and John says surrounding yourself with those tools that we learn in recovery and and, and for me it's always kind of the peer group um, it's you know if I if I feel comfortable if someone offers me a drink saying no and I don't have to make an excuse for it um, but if I do you know I have early you know when I first started playing again in clubs I I would say I'm allergic to alcohol or, you know, I'm on a medication, whatever. Um, I've learned that the, the pressure is mostly uh, pressure I put on myself, and most people really don't really don't care. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easy enough to say no. But like John said, I, I've had the same experience. It's, there's a lot of people in these places, including a lot of musicians I was playing with, that are in recovery. And, and the best part for me is to do a gig with uh a band that's in recovery or another musician that's in recovery and I don't know if you guys have had that experience but it, it's really a wonderful experience oh it sure is man it's great it's the best experience I've ever had actually yeah. was there ever a fear that when you got sober that um, people wouldn't want to play with you or that your ability to write would dry up or you wouldn't have as much soulfulness in your playing <laughs> <laughs> where did you get that idea? <laughs> you know where that comes from, Mary? I read it in Modern Drummer, I think. No, I don't know. <laughs> you know, that all comes from our own fears, and uh, I think anyway. And, you know, people don't think, I don't know, think if other people think about that. They, they're all, they're, um, I think they're curious what is going to happen to you. And I think maybe... A positive part of people in recovery speaking about it is to show people what happens. You know, for me, I was just able to do more and to do it better. Um, and I think for most people it's that way. I I actually started to, to practice the piano. And I think for me it wasn't all the kind of the, the glorious things like, the, you know, writing hit songs and doing all that stuff. It was very basic things for me, practicing every day, um, learning more about songwriting, going to Nashville, working with songwriters, very basic footwork. 
And when I do that work, my creativity just goes crazy. And I, for me, I think that whole fallacy of, well, get really drunk and you're going to write a great book, I think we've all realized that it's a bunch of crap. You know, I'm sorry, but the really true artists work really hard. And then for me, it was just I was able to work and to discipline myself. And and then the changes really came for me, I think. This is my bit. Yeah. I think I think that's the big lie that I, I believed for so many years was that I did need, you know, some kind of mood mind altering substance to make myself, you know, be more creative or perform better. And the fact of the matter it's a lie. It's not true. And you know, the only thing that heroin ever helped with Charlie Parker was to kill him. You know, because he was a, he was a great musician um, on his own, and I think like I had that feeling too. And I, what John said, I, I could really identify with because when I came back, I was concerned about that, and I went to a session in Malibu uh, where some friends were recording, and I I sat down to play, and I was so fearful of my inability to play that I couldn't do the session, and uh, wow. and you know, since then, since uh, having, a, you know, just a little bit of retrospective on that, it was, like John said, it was fear, you know, and, and this it, that's what kind of holds us back. I think, the for me, it nourished my fear, the drugs and alcohol nourished my fear, and, and um, once I was free of that and had a little recovery, I was able to kind of work past that stuff, and, and really, like I say, you know, the... If you if you can kind of dream it, if I can dream it now, I can do it. You know, as far as as far as any creativity goes. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you really do. It's, it's a freedom. So with recovery comes freedom. Boy, no kidding. Yes. Absolutely. Um, as an addiction professional, I look at the news and I look at some of the entertainment tonight and I see what's happening stop looking at that stuff Mary (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I see what's happening like with Britney Spears and I see what's happening with with Lindsay Lohan and some of these other folks and I and I just as an addiction professional I have this this reaction to that and thinking to myself wow you know um, if only they had the right people around them. If only they had people around them who could really help support them. Yeah. And I'm and I'm wondering when you all see those those train wreck headlines, what are your thoughts as a musician when you know um, when when you see somebody like that when when it's it's just so out there their their addiction so out there their um, you know, if you watch the Grammys, you saw Britney perform at the Grammys, and my heart went out to her. You know, and, um, and I'm thinking, where, where are the people around her? You know. Yeah. You know, I think that. You know, my guess is that when you achieve that level of fame and you get that much glory and attention, that can't be sustained off stage. Yeah. You know, and that loneliness and that hole that's there inevitably can't be filled. Yeah. Um, and I think um, I think that that's where people end up just 
That's not knowing point. not yeah. knowing what to do. Yeah. When and you're performing like that, I mean when you're when you're really performing and you're in the zone, is it like being high? Yes. That connection you have with mm-hmm. you? Yes. Yeah. It <laughs> is. Better. Yeah, it's better. It's it really more spirit it's it's spiritual now. Yeah. It's so really spiritual. <laughs> when you come off stage is there a letdown? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> That's when I did most of my using was coming off because you you know and a lot of that again was you know like insecurity and fear just you know what do I do with myself now because I had the adulation I've always wanted you know and now I I get off stage and I still am the insecure kind of person I was before I went on stage and uh, that's the way I mean that's just the way it worked for me you know there's a, a friend of mine that always tells me, don't believe any of your reviews because people are either telling you you're the greatest thing on earth and then, or else, you know, they're telling you all the bad stuff about you or that voice in your head keeps yeah. talking that you're terrible. <laughs> you know, and it's being able to find a balance. And I, when I see Brittany and those people, I feel sorry for them in many ways because, um, that kind of fame that they have is really not worth uh, anything. And you can tell there's other people that have a lot of fame and they're not on the magazines ever. Okay. And um, so what is different in their lives? And, and I think, Mary, you know, you're being a professional. I think you see that more than we do. But it's, you know, who who is around them, mothers and fathers and friends and you know, someone able to hold a mirror up to them and say, this is who you really are. This is part of what you do. You know, but, boy, they get stuck. Like Shauna said, they can't, when they go off stage, they, you know, who am I? What am I? Um, that's a hard thing to deal with. And, you know, alcohol works really good for that stuff. That's right. Uh, I really don't envy them. I don't know about you guys, but I'll take a little bit of some of that stuff, and then I want to go home and... My wife will tell me to take the garbage out, <laughs> and then I realize, you know, there's a, there is a higher power in my life, and there's more things, you know, family and and loving other people is a lot more important. But right. I, I'd be lying if I tell you I don't didn't want a little bit of it, you know. <laughs> it's interesting. I've been around, um, you know, like rock music business and some people that have had a lot of success with, you know addiction problems and unfortunately there's there's so much money involved in, and we can take Kurt Cobain as an example there was so much money involved with Nirvana and there was such a huge train pushing behind that machine oh, man. that once even though he was in the absolute depths of his grips of his addiction before the last record came out they weren't willing to send him to rehab the, the record company wasn't willing to intervene. No one was willing to, you know, stop because no one wanted the gravy train to stop. That's a big, oh, that's so true. And management yep, and tour, tour people and people that are booking dates, their basic philosophy is hold them up till they're done with my job. That's right. So mm-hmm. the musician becomes a commodity. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and Scott Weiland had the same, exa- you know, thing happen with him. Now Scott's in recovery now, but you know that he describes the same kind of thing, and it, it is kind of a rarefied world. So I can't imagine for somebody like Britney Spears, who is doing all this behavior now, which is heartbreaking, 
and her record's at number one, that's not too much of something, you know, that's yeah. not something, that that's not the kind of, um, you know, uh, problems I was having at the end of my using. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> thank God, huh? Yeah, thank you, because exactly, that's right, it would have killed me. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute with our last uh, segment of One Hour of a Time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Autism One, a conversation of hope, hosted by Betsy Hicks, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism is treatable, and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Betsy offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, adult services, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. We were just um, finishing up our discussion about how musicians can become a commodity in terms of if they're on the road or they're at the pinnacle of their success and their addiction is kicked in. No one really wants to disrupt um, the flow because there's a lot of money writing on someone's success or someone's number one record and how um, dehumanizing um the record industry can be with musicians and um, as any industry can be. I would like to talk um, for the next few minutes about resources for um, musicians. We mentioned a little bit about the right turn earlier. Um, Besides having the listening room, what else does right turn do? Um, This is John. Right turn provides 
uh, recovery services um, for you know for almost anybody who who seeks the help there, but specifically for you know people in the creative arts. Um, they have support groups every day of the week uh, at the at the facility, which is in 299 Broadway in Arlington, Massachusetts. Um, they uh, they have different types of support groups, and they and they also have counseling services, um, placement services there. There's uh, Shauna, maybe you can help me with some of the other stuff that's available. Yeah, there's. Uh there's massage. There's an emphasis on wellness. Uh, there's uh, there's groups there practically 24/7 now. Um, I'm I'm a part of a group called Women in Creativity in Recovery, which is a, a small group that's just helped us for many months now. Um, what, is the, what is the cost to go to Right Turn? How do you, how does a musician pay for it? Well, I don't I don't pay anything. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, what what the cost is for individual therapy. Do you, John? No, I, I know it's on a sliding scale, mm-hmm. and, I, and I know Woody Geisman, who who is the founder of Right Turn, and, and runs the place, um, has a lot of resources available to him. He's, I think, a licensed addiction counselor, and I know he's he's always, uh, you know, sur- finding different financial resources, but a lot, of, a lot of the kind of day-to-day running money of the place comes from contributions to people. Um, and like Shauna says, the, the meetings she goes to, there's other ones, there's songwriting meetings, and, and specifically addressing these issues that we've been talking about in the last hour, which I've found personally incredibly helpful. So there's a group for songwriters. Yes. Mhm. That's cool. And also, there's the the freedom to um, you know be able to start any kind of group that that you feel might be helpful. Yeah. To Artists in recovery. Um, John, you mentioned earlier about uh, being sent out to treatment in California to the Grammys. And yeah, through, uh, it's it's called mu- now it's called Music Cares, um, and the, it, then it was it's still part of the Musicians Assistance Program. Uh, and what I think the criteria at the time for me was um, if I had major label experience, which I did. Um, and there's there's enough scholarships available for somebody who makes their living in the music business to to find help through MAP. It's uh, based in Los Angeles. I believe there might even be a chapter in Nashville. I'm not sure if there's there is. Yeah, there's a music cares here in Nashville as well. Yeah. Excellent yeah. program. Saved my life. So yeah, it really is helping I, musicians. Yeah, yeah. And um, so musicians with major label. Experience can cause music cares or any. I'm sorry to interrupt. I think it's not necessarily major label experience. I think it's on a you know per case basis for them. If if you can make a good enough case, they'll help you out. Oh, they will. In fact, I don't think they even ask you. You know, at what level you're at, and yeah, that's not a part of the criteria at all. Good. Good. 
Um, in our last few moments here, we've talked a little bit about Right Turns um, fundraiser this Friday night. And John, um, can you tell us a little bit about your latest CD? Well, the new album is uh, done by producer Ken Polk in, in L.A., and it's on Maui Cat Records. And it's called Good Enough, and it's um, you know there's a bunch of songs in there about stuff that we that all human beings struggle with, and uh, you can go to the website mine and find it, I guess, and check it out. Um, I also wanted to mention Sunlight of the Spirit, uh, an organization in Nashville, which is a good resource for people in recovery, and you can get on the web and find it very easy. Sunlight of the Spirit. And very quickly, John, what time Friday night and where for? It, it, the, the performance doors are at seven, and the performance starts at seven thirty at the Regent Theater of Arlington, Massachusetts. Um, you can buy tickets online at regenttheater.com. Celebrating John Belushi. And the proceeds will go to Right Turn. All proceeds are to benefit Right Turn. Thank you all so much for this really fascinating hour. Um, well, thank you. Thank a lot. you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. And um, if anybody out there has any questions, they can feel free to call um, or email, and we will certainly get whatever information we can out to you over the next week or so. So have a good week, everybody. Thank you. appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.